What's up, everybody? This is Alex Kelly back here with another episode of the Furloughed Film Talks podcast with my brother Ryan. What's up, everybody? Ryan is a little tuckered out from a long week. It's been a super long week, bro. Yeah. Uh, and it's Wednesday. And it's been an especially long weekend because we're at the Dead Center Film Festival. Where, Ryan? Oklahoma City! Oklahoma. We're... Oklahoma, where the wind goes sweeping down the plains. So I got in there on Friday nights mm-hmm. and Ryan. Ryan got in there Saturday morning. He did, yeah. And we did everything dead center that we could. Yeah. So we will talk about that here in a minute. Then what else are we going to talk about, Ryan? Jurassic World. Yes. Yeah. I can't. Look, I've got a lot Aspen in my face. An Aspen? Yes. And yes, we're going to talk about that. A quick note to fans. If you're wondering why we haven't talked about Stranger Things... Ryan made a request, and I was like, okay. We're going to wait until volume duh, volume dose. Well, part duh. Part yeah, duh. Yeah, that'd be good. Because, like, I mean, it'd be a weird time to go ahead and, like, drop a review at this point. Because mm-hmm. it's been out for, what, like, two or three weeks? And we're two weeks from part two? Yeah, so it's better just to wait till yeah, part yeah, two yeah, comes yeah, out. Yeah, because yeah. we're going to watch it, obviously, on July, July 1st. 1st. Yeah. And then, um, actually, probably won't. we'll probably watch it on July 2nd. Yeah, because yeah, you, you asked to watch it the next day, which is fine. We'll see. We'll Wait, see. When do you guys is July first or Friday? Yeah, oh, we can watch it July first. We can do that Tonight? actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Breaking yeah, yeah. news on Furlough Films. Ox. Yeah, we'll watch the five hours of two episodes on. No, it's gonna be like what two and a half hours? No, I think it's uh, it's it's four four hours and ten minutes because the first episode is an hour and forty. And oh the Jesus! Second, we the second to... episode's an hour or two and a half hours. Yeah, we might have to break it up between Friday and Saturday. It's fine with me. We're leaving uh, Sunday. Yes, so that works. For New York City. New York, New York. I don't know the Frank Sinatra song. Anywho, mm. uh, yeah, quick update. But everybody, thank you for checking out this episode, uh, as always. Oh, and we have an interview this episode from yeah. the Dead Center Film Festival. Tomb Filmmakers. Uh, yeah. Timothy Hall and who else, Ryan? Dustin Gooch. Yes, Dustin Gooch, who is a very nice man. Who may or may not be transgender. Uh, he's... No. Transgender? Transgender. Ginger. Okay. Yeah, it's a callback. You'll you'll Oh yeah. It's actually a, a um foreshadowing. Yes, foreshadowing. If you catch where I accidentally call say transgender in the interview. I forgot about that. Please leave a comment. Yeah, so that <laughs> comes at the end of the episode. Yeah, leave a comment or send us a DM and or a review. How dare you? Yeah. Um, there's a I was just talking too fast and I actually said transgender. If you hate gingers, leave us a five star rating for Ryan calling somebody transgender. Please don't do that. Yeah. Uh, so as always, check out the Instagram at Furloughed Film Talks and Twitter at Furloughed Film. We also have an interview coming out on the Cinematropolis again. Uh, nice. Caleb Masters. How was Caleb? He's good. We actually, yeah. we talked for 45 minutes before we even started the interview, so. Oh, is he still hacking up uh, COVID at this point? Pretty much. He nice. said he feels fine, but okay. he's still testing positive for the coves. What is this, some like crazy new strain that's out that Oh God, I hope not, because if our father has that strain, then we might not see him for a while. Yeah. Should we put that out there in the universe? Let's just let's just leave it at that. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, everybody, thank you for checking out this episode. And now we talk about Dead Center. You want to talk about Barbie first? Oh my God, yes. Or or uh, Amber Heard. Uh, I feel like we should stay away from Amber Heard, but like, okay. if you want to go there, sure. I'm just okay. Yeah, let's talk about how do quick you... hits, quick hit news. Yeah, yeah, quick hit news. First off, first images of um. 
Greta Gerwig's Barbie is out. Yeah, well, with Ken as or, or I'm sorry, Ryan Gosling as, as Ken. Ken as Ken. Um, yeah. No, I they put out a photo from a couple months ago um, of Margot Robbie as Barbie. Did they really? Yeah, uh, I have not seen this. Oh, it's it. It looks like they basically ripped her character straight from Wolf of Wall Street, and then. Oh, just skinned but, over, like, yeah, Barbie much. dress or something. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but then they have the first photo of Ryan Gosling, who is my favorite actor of all time, um, as Ken, the Barbie guy doll. Yeah. Uh, so, how much respect did you lose for Ryan Gosling? Zero. I respect him even more now. I think I'm in like. Do the, you? I think I'm in the minority. You're, oh, we also quick hit news. Need to talk about a Joker musical. No, I know. We're getting there. Okay. Cool. 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 Uh, yeah. So. It's inter- like I don't know. He he looks he looks like Ken. I guess I guess that's the point. But- it's Greta Gerwig. I'm gonna I'm gonna save my you know thoughts and worries until the movie comes out. Yeah, Greta Gerwig is definitely not like infallible. So, what do you mean? I don't know. She's done two good movies. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Then we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, what else has she done other than uh, Wonder Woman and um, that's not right. That's, that's Pretty Woman. That's I don't even think she Women did on that. the Prairie. I don't think she did that. What fucking Lady Bird? <laughs> no, Lady Bird. Jesus Christ. Lady Bird and the one with all the the old timey people. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I've never seen it. I think I have it up on my shelf, actually. Um, you have seen Little it. Women. Little Women. Yeah. I thought you were talking about another one. No, uh, Little Women. Oh, dude, those are two great movies. Yeah. Okay. And she did Francis Ha, which the fuck Francis, is that? Francis Ha was a very interesting movie. Okay. I literally just clicked on it so you could look at it. Yeah, but her other movies like Twentieth Century Women. That's the one that I thought you were talking about. Oh, have you seen that? No, that's the one that I was talking about that I have not seen. Oh, No Strings Attached. That looks like a classic. Wow, Ryan, you are just hating. Hard. Greenberg. I don't know. Jack. She did Jackie. I think that's... she acted in Jackie. She's also yeah. an actress. She's done quite a lot. Cool, cool. cool. Yeah, I know. Married be... to Noah Baumbach. Oh, Who? Noah Baumbach. Do you even know what Noah Baumbach has directed, Ryan? I I do, but just. My experience of knowing Noah back is mostly from interviews that he's done on yeah. the on the Vanity Fair roundtable. Um, so <laughs> he's a weird dude. Um, yeah, and he made a movie called The Squid and the Whale that I had never seen, and then decided mm-hmm. to show to my friends from CCA on a ski trip. And there's a scene where basically someone this, fucks a octopus. No, a 13 year old jacks off in a library and spreads it on a bunch of books that's hot gets caught and then jacks off on a girl's locker didn't he do marriage story too yes yeah he's I love how you're skating right over the i don't want to talk about a 13 year old <laughs> jacking off and how you subjected all your friends i didn't know dude. i'm sitting there in the room with them just like this was a bad choice and garrett was like dude it's a good movie like you'll like it oh so garrett like, knew yeah garrett recommended it and that's why i showed it to all my friends okay and i was well, like i literally texted him i was like dude what the fuck yeah, Garrett is kind of an asshole for that one. Yeah. That's gross. Fuck you, Garrett. How uh, graphic was it? Very. I don't know what that is. Very, very graphic. Cool. Yeah. Hot. Anyways, Ken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks fun. It just It is so weird to see Ryan Gosling dressed as Ken. You know when I first saw the photo, what I thought? No. Like one of his other characters? No. It kind of reminded me of Drive and Place Beyond the Pines with the hair. Okay, P- Place Beyond the Pines, yes. Drive, absolutely not. Yeah, it was just like Place Beyond the Pines popped in my head, and I was like, oh. Okay. We actually watched Drive, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. Really? Yeah. 
Place Beyond the Pines is a great movie. That that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. But you don't you're not excited for Barbie? No. It's gonna Are be you? Adult Barbie. What does adult Barbie mean? I mean, it's gonna be not intended for children. I'm assuming. I would hope not. Yeah. I mean, a Greta Gerwig ch- child's movie. Like they have Barbie cartoons. So do they really? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. How do you what? What? I did not know this. You not remember seeing it on Cartoon Network, or whatever? No. Nutcracker Barbie's my favorite. Oh, you're talking about those. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What do you think I was talking about? Adult cartoon Barbie? No. No. Jesus. I'm assuming that's out there, but like robot chicken Barbie. Yeah. No. Oh, that's for sure out there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hundred (laughs) percent. Anyways, um, I don't know. I I wish Ryan Gosling didn't have to like. It was funny. Someone mentioned, or Marina mentioned that like, oh, Ryan Gosling doesn't do a movie in eight fucking years, and then he's Ken from Barbie. Yeah, pretty much. His first film back. Hey, that that's dude, that's a bit like that dude has one of the more eclectic like casting uh what's the right word I'm looking for decisions in in cinema sort of in the in the grand spectrum of like <clears throat> weird uh, careers he's slight he's somewhat below Robert Pattinson and Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking he played a guy who buys a thousand dollars sex doll oh that was fucking weird and yeah. a jew who's also a neo-nazi and that also was a, also strange also a coked out teacher or no he's not, a, not coked out heroin it's disappointing because he's a fucking he's probably like one of the best actors we have right now no he's amazing. and he that, like really isn't acting all that much which is why i'm like well yeah and I he's get just it. staying I mean, home and plowing even mendez is that who's yeah that's because also plays smile on the pines yeah um, yeah how do you think they met uh, um this Anywho. is gonna be some great sound quality with yeah. uh, where the fuck is going on here. I don't. I have no idea. They do this outside. Can, we'll just let them outside. Uh, Anyways, so Ken. Yeah, Ken. Okay, if you Ken. have thoughts about what Ryan Gosling looks like as Ken, let us know. DM us. Send us a message. Who are they? De- who's? Where are they? Vinny will send me a message. Where are they DMing us on Instagram? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's an Instagram account. Yeah, Instagram account. We've already said it once, but it's at again furloughed film talks on Insta. Yeah. Cool. 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 cool, cool. cool, cool. What else? Uh, uh, Amber Heard. No, let's skip that one. All right. Cool. Uh, Joker musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's her name? Lady Gaga. Yes. In Joker Two. Yes. And it is going to be a musical, which I'm kind of stoked on. Yeah, I just hope the apocalypse happens before they start production on that one. I don't think it's going to, Ryan. You, you don't know? think so? No. You know, the Fed did raise rates today. Oh, is someone, uh, yeah, is someone you know. paying attention to the I am, Ryan. To the Federal Reserve meeting? Yes, I am. Were you? Good for you. I mean, I was, yeah, I was keeping... Were you kind of kind of worried about that? I was keeping tabs. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, the market was up today. Did you see that? I did, yeah. Yeah? Are you invested in the S&P 500? I'm not. No, not right now, Ryan. Okay. Do you have your little... Real Robinhood account with your nope, no money in my Robinhood account right yeah. now. Ryan. How much money did you lose overall? Quite a lot in let's, the stock market. Let's not talk about circa that. circa 2021. I made about 200 of that back by shorting the market. So no, you didn't. I really did. You can't short. You can't short the market. There's a ETF called SPXU that like shorts the market. So whenever the market goes down, it goes up. Oh, okay, so, so you, I made money off that. You made money off buying an ETF. Yes. Okay, we'll call it that. That's literally what it is. Okay. That's okay. Fine. This exchange your fund. Huh? What? What? That's what you. Anyways, about. Joker musical. <laughs> we are fucking ADD today. Yes. Uh, so you're not excited about this? Fuck is, no. Is are the, you excited about this? I mean, just for the chaos, it's gonna like 
that's going to ensue because of this, fuck yeah. Like, I no. think this is going to be amazing. This is horrible. Why? Could you imagine? Okay, first off, have you seen House of Gucci? That's way different. How's that fucking different? Shut the fuck up. How's that at all different? Because it's not freaking... Who directed that? Ridley I don't Scott. Fuck. Lady Gaga. 80-year-old Ridley Scott making a fucking movie with Jared Leto in a fat suit. Lady Gaga is toxic to movies. A Star is Born is a great movie. Is it? Yes. Is it? Yes. Is it? Yes. Are you sure? She's toxic to Tony Bennett as well, but whatever. Not Tony Bennett. Is it Tony Bennett? Who's the old dude that she did the Christmas albums with? Tony Bennett, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the last raging boner he had was yeah. singing with Lady Gaga. Not even just that. He had Alzheimer's. And was oh, he had no idea what was happening. Yeah, none. Like, yeah. He, like they, go to, they did an interview with him after one of them. And he was like, what did I do today? <laughs> Am I doing in Disney World? Yeah, uh, fucked <laughs> up, dude. He's literally leaning on the piano the entire what time. We're Marilyn? making fun of an old man who has Alzheimer's. He's obviously was Marilyn Manson singing at me? Yeah. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe, I mean. Why is Marilyn Monroe yelling at me? Um, it would have been better if it had been Marilyn Manson. Maybe he would remember that. He should. Yeah. Anyways, okay, first off, if, what's his face, Todd Peterson? No, uh, Todd Ted, Phillips. Ted Nugent? <laughs> if Todd Phillips, has Todd Phillips ever directed, like, even a music video before? To the internet we go, I don't know. I'm, with 99% confidence, I'm going to say no. So, like, having... You know the same guy who made The Hangover direct a Joker sequel and turn it school. Is there not a musical number? This sounds like a joke. This sounds like oh, Joker was such a good movie that we're we're gonna gonna fuck with the no, we're gonna capitalize and turn it into a musical and put it on Broadway. He did. That's what it sounds like. Oh, because he was a writer for Borat. Okay. And Road Trip. Wait, did he? I oh, that's not the same one that I'm thinking of. I was thinking of Euro Trip. Yeah, the best. No, no, no! This sounds like an unmitigated disaster. I'm, I'm gonna wait again. Gonna wait until it comes out and then see it. You just don't like musicals. I love musicals. What? I'm sorry. The one story that always pops out of my head is your reaction to when we went and saw Hairspray. So, Hairspray is a dog shit movie with the with Johnny Travolta cross dressed dressing as a fucking Baltimore fat ass, like. That's what it was. He was a fat chick in the hairspray. I want to make a shirt now that just says Baltimore fat ass. And it's in the Orioles like logo. That's a, like an extremely obese Oriole. <laughs> With the hairdo in its mouth from hairspray. From hairspray? Yeah. No, I fucking hated hairspray. Um, but I do like musicals. I love Into the Woods. Um, yeah. Hades Town was pretty cool. Holy shit. What up? Uh, people would disagree with your take on hairspray. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I would want it out, dude. Like, just take a guess. Eighty-seven. The for the critics. Oh, I don't care about the critics. Okay, it's eighty-four for the audience. Oh, what is the critics then? Ninety-two. The critics can suck a dick. <laughs> yeah. That's when did that movie come out? Was it like two thousand four? As seven. It came in 07? Yeah. I did not go to the theaters with mom in 07 to see <laughs> that movie. There's no way. Yeah, dude. No. Yeah. It says right here, 07. Comedy. Does it seem hairspray? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. Was he in this? Yeah. Uh, hmm. What date did this come out? Because it was over the summer. I remember right. I knew it. 07. Yeah, July 10th, 2007. July 20th, my bad. Of 07. <clears throat> 07. That was the year I graduated. 
I don't know what to tell you, man. It's 2007. <laughs> we went and saw fucking hairspray. You hated it. Yeah, I did hate it. Mom doesn't ever let you live it down. Uh, I don't mind. I mean, yeah. I'm perfectly fine explaining why it's a bad movie. Um, anyways, you know what I want. I don't hate. You know musicals. what I want to see so bad. I hate bad musicals. You know what I want to see so bad. Like, because I just want them to go as fucking ridiculous as possible. Like, get a tap dancing Batman in there. Or like, I was gonna say like you know get like a, an extremely like depressed, disgusting Batman. Mm-hmm. Like have Nicolas Cage play Batman. Oh my god, yeah. Could you imagine? Or like Alfred with like pasties during a musical number. Shut the fuck up. I would kill for all of that. I'm I'm good, man. It's gonna be awesome. How many DVD players do you have in this room? Uh, two. Technically, I think three. I have two, well, so I have three Blu-ray players. <clears throat> Anyways. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have three? I don't understand. I don't know. Okay. Well, because I was using one, because the, the PS5 doesn't take DVDs, right? I think it does. Oh, well then, I fuck me. I don't know why I have three then. Okay. Um, <clears throat> anywho. All right, let's, we, we went on a long tirade of quick hit news. It's a new segment. Uh, yeah. New segments all over the place, Ryan. <laughs> news, new segment. Uh, oh, also, everybody should be looking out for our coverage of Dallas Fan Expo next week because we're going to be going to do that this week. Your coverage. Are you not going to go? I don't know. Why are you recovering a Fan Expo? Because I want to go talk to fans. I want to get there. I what I should have planned is to dress up as like a Canadian Mountie and gone around and hundred percent. I mean, it's not too late. And go so around. What you're saying is you're not going. I might not go. Okay, let's not do, do this. Want- on, let's not do this on air. <laughs> let's not talk about how. Is it important that you or do not go? No, but we'll talk about it when we're not physically putting our voices to a stream. Okay, first I want to see if there's a Canadian Mountie costume on Amazon. We can get here before Saturday. Yes, because <laughs> I will 100% wear it. I'll 100% go and get Brendan Fraser to sign that VHS, and I'll 100% walk around and ask people questions about Brendan Fraser in a Canadian Mountie outfit. Like, 100% you would do this? Yes. If you buy it, I will do it. Okay. When's it going to be here? I don't know. I'm looking. Fuck yeah, dude. $60? $60. I mean, it comes with the whole... Oh my god, it comes whole with... Whole thing. Like a Dudley Do-Right... Uh, kind of cosplay thing? Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. Um, medium or extra large? Medium. You could look on Etsy, but... I don't know if it comes by Saturday. Yeah, we can't get this one, but okay, let's let's continue on. Okay, the episode. Um, <clears throat> we can get. I mean, if you have like black, you know, mounty trousers and a red shirt, we could just get. I mean, the, I've got black pants. It's yeah. not going to look like. We can get a sexy mounty. Sexy mounty would work. Okay. Yeah. Go to Goodwill. Oh yeah. Peruse. Oh. Oh my god, can we get a midget to dress as a child Mountie too? I bet that ha- I bet we could rent a <laughs> rent, <laughs> rent a midget. <laughs> you can. It happened with Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> oh my god, it's not hire a midget. It's all I bet we could rent, rent a, a midget. midget. <laughs> like it's a fucking piece of U-Haul equipment. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Oh yeah. Can I get like a can I get like a that one's, half foot? That one's midget? too tall. Just hold up the fucking Mountie costume. Yeah. Like, That's extra. Like, like, how much uh, do we have to move? How much, how much midget do we need? Uh, um, anyways. An extra plump one, please. No. Uh, so. Anyways. Hold oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, fan, fan, what is it called? Fan Expo? That was Fan Expo. Yeah, okay. Cool. Talk to some fans. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. Okay. 
Spread the word of furloughed film talks. Right. Yes. We need stickers. It's a Mountie. Do you sell the stickers? Yeah, I sell the stickers. Should have taken the stickers to furloughed or uh, uh, Dead Center. Yeah, that probably would have been a good idea. Yeah. Most fans were not like, mo- well, I don't want to say that on thing. Most what? Most of the people there were like family members. So it was like. <sighs> yeah, that's a whole. Let's get into Dead yeah, Center. Yeah, all right. Let's talk <laughs> Dead Center. Ryan, we were at Dead Center this past weekend. This is our third year of covering it. Um, each year, to me, as I was thinking about it last night, has been different from the last. Mm-hmm. So, um, to you, what was the biggest new, or the newest thing, the biggest difference this year versus last year and obviously the year before last? And basically the biggest thing that, to you, added more to your overall festival experience? Mm, I don't know. This year felt a lot different because it really didn't feel like we we're actually at a film festival. Yeah. Because we were at the Harkins Theater, which is like a, like a major uh, theater chain. Yeah. This is basically like a Cinemark or AMC or whatever. So that felt different. Like it didn't really feel like the true film festival experience since we weren't at, you know, last year I think we went to three different venues well, we, were so outdoors we did the, we did the outdoors one at the park we did the rodeo theater and we did um the wherever we recorded tower theater the tower theater which we didn't see anything there but like we got to tour it a little bit and see most of it which was really really cool yeah so <coughs> there was that um this one felt a lot more organized though like the yeah. schedule was like a lot cleaner and their volunteers were way more on it this year yeah the volunteers were like way on top of it It was way way more organized it was it was really cool to have like you know an access to the press room where we got to like run into other or rather run into filmmakers that were like coming in to do little interviews for the dead center uh people and we were able to like do an interview in there yep that was neat um and also just like you know i I felt like we actually saw more content mm-hmm. this year, even though, like, I would, you know, me and Marina were only there for, like, I don't know, two, 36 hours. 30 hours or whatever. Like, yeah. we came in midday, we saw three features on Saturday, then on Sunday, we saw both Oki Shorts programs, one and two, and in the middle, we saw Jurassic World. Um, so, you know, it, even though it felt it felt a little less film festival-y, it we actually saw more content because we were only just able to stay at one theater. But yeah. it was really cool to like go into the radio theater again to see the second Oki Shorts program. And I was excited uh, to be back there. And it looks, I, I mean, Caleb kind of told me this yesterday. They definitely did some work on it within the last three couple months. Yeah. Um, and you could tell it looks really, really awesome. Um, <clears throat> no, I agree that it it doesn't have the same kind of feel that like oakwood film fest has where that's at like all independent theaters and smaller theaters like having it at the harkin while it does give it a little bit more like gravitas having it at you know this big mm-hmm. place and that down at bricktown and they were able to accommodate like a lot more people that way yeah 100 percent. and so it was just and i think it's almost impossible to do this because of the timing of dead center because mm-hmm. it is over the summer it did take away away a little bit of it where it was obvious that the majority of the people at the harkin we're there to see like Jurassic World. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And also, I, I forgot to mention that, like, being in Bricktown was actually like an extra added, like, yeah, uh, quality to the to to Dead Center. Because like being in 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 Bricktown was super cool. Because like 
you know, we were, Harkin, the Harkins Theater was in Bricktown, and then we went to the party Saturday night, which is like slightly down the street from Bricktown. Then we came back, and Bricktown was hopping, and we were like at the hotel in Bricktown. And the next day, we had like brunch at Brick, you know, like the whole Bricktown experience yeah. was really, really cool. And you've got the ballpark down there, so like you could have yeah. caught a ball. Like it's just a really cool kind of vibe down in Bricktown, um, which I want to go back to. Like I think I'm going to try to get. Alexis to do like a weekend trip out to Oklahoma City. That'd be fun. That's uh, where you know the hip, cool, hill, cool millennials go is that? Oklahoma City. Ruxton. I mean, Ruxton gave me some breweries to check out, and I wasn't able to this past oh, weekend. So I want to go back and see some of that. That'd uh, be fun. <clears throat> but Ryan, what what was your favorite short? Were we talk about the shorts first, or like? You want to go ahead and kind of go in chronological order here. Yeah, let's go in chronological order. I like that more. Okay, so the first feature we saw was Landlocked. Who we talked to the director and lead actor from. Yes, who you will hear an interview. In a little bit. With in a little bit. Tim um, Hall and Dustin Gooch. Yep, this movie was about a chef whose mother has recently passed away and uh, has to go on a road trip to spread her ashes at the little vacation spot they used to go to when he was a child. And he's also trying to reconnect with his father, who is now transitioned into a transgender woman, and who he hasn't seen in some 20-odd years. I think the exact number was 23 23 years. years. And this is the experience of a son reconnecting with a uh, you know transgender parent and going through the complications of that missed time and the grief of a, a lost parent. Yeah, I thought um, I thought Dustin did a really good job um, <clears throat> for the majority of this movie, and Delia, uh, the transgender actress who played the uh, father who t- had turned into um, a woman, I thought mm. she had one really great scene within that hotel. Um <clears throat> I think kind of the same problem with some of the shorts. It kind of ran into some sound editing problems throughout. There's sound editing, and I think the the conclusion of the story left yeah. a little bit to be desired. Which, and I think the conversations after with like where they did the Q and A kind of answered some of that. But I agree because like the movie ended, and, and I was like why what like what's happening here i don't right yeah i don't agree with that. what is happening and why is it happening yeah. what is the emotional leap that this character took to get to the point where he did what he did yeah and um I, <clears throat> but had had uh tim is it tim timothy 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 tim, tim, was whatever. this his first feature film no, he had directed a couple others one that won ten thousand dollars at the atlanta film festival okay so, I mean, for your third very, very independent film fest, uh, feature film, mm-hmm. like this is really, really solid. This is <clears throat> s- solidly my favorite feature film that we saw at Dead Center. What, okay. Um, what would you say, just take a guess, because I asked him later that night when we went to the Out of Exile party, mm-hmm. like, hey, how much did you spend? Oh, should we save this on air? I'll, I want you to guess, and then I'm going to give you a range. I'm not going to say the exact number. Okay. How much did they spend on that movie? Yes, like budget-wise, shooting the movie. I'll say twenty thousand dollars. Okay, it was somewhere between seventy-five hundred and fifteen thousand. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Okay. For so, the entire feature film. Mm-hmm. 
That's pretty nutty. Yeah, like actually. they did a really good job with the budget that they had, which I'm impressed by with what we saw. Yeah. And so, like, I enjoyed. I there was moments where I was like, oh, I don't know where this is going, and um, I feel like they're not really kind of delving into this topic as much as they really could. Um, but when we were talking to Tim, some of that kind of made more sense of what he was going for. And Mm -hmm. for that, I was like, okay, I I see what you're going for. And it makes sense. And I liked what he was talking about. Um, so we'll wait to let people listen to that a little bit later. Sure. Um, no, but, uh, I don't think it's fair exactly to give Jindo max head ratings for these, but, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's more fair to like just give a relative placing uh, against what else, what other content we saw at Dead Center. Yeah, um, and I, for me at least, this was definitely top of the feature films of the three that we saw. Yeah, so you would say number one for you. Mm-hmm. I would I, say number two for me. Okay, so um, that leads very well into your one number eight, one. I think yes, no one eight hundred hot night. Which was directed by Nick Ritchie, who we actually moderated his Q and A. Yeah, um, very nice Q and A's. Q and A's, yes. Which and that's that's what I was gonna say. Um, he still has ADR to do, so like voiceover kind of stuff. Yeah, so they're still actively working on it and taking feedback. Yeah, as they continue to present this at other festivals, which is why I kind of feel bad bringing up the noise thing with or the sound editing with uh, Landlocked because maybe there's still work to be done on that. Maybe this is not their I think they're done with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is our 1-800-HOT-NIGHT is about um, a trio of boys who are out in L.A. They're about 13 or 14 years old, mm-hmm. and they're just doing some shenanigans that most middle schoolers do. Um, yeah, the, the movie is really catalyzed around one of the characters' father being arrested um, yeah. and him getting like kind of caught up with the cps person and then running away from the cop and the child protective services um and kind of this like mini odyssey that he goes on throughout the course of a night as he's it's i mean it's a really good interplay between like you know growing up and Mm -hmm. uh the the struggles of you know being in a like lower socioeconomic household how that affects you know um like how that affects the character in relation to you know their friends or family members their interactions with like other adults and whatnot um and how people some or kids sometimes have to grow up way faster than they should and yeah holding on to some of that childhood you know innocence and not Mm -hmm. you know because we all want to like grow up way faster than we really should we want to be adults way faster than we should and then we kind of get to that age and it's like well shit what's actually happening what now yeah so it's like hold on to that for a little bit longer and i thought that was a really great message throughout the movie um and so i enjoyed i enjoyed that part of it and i think the beginning of it is kind of rough um but i think the ending of it is what made it the my favorite of the feature films that we saw because mm-hmm. I think it's a very emotional and well acted and well done ending. Yeah, and I thought that I thought that before I even spoke with Nick or Allie or mm-hmm. uh, Garrison, who plays O'Neill, right in the movie. Um, I thought this one was by far the 
best shot movie. Oh yeah. The the most professionally done film. Mm-hmm. Um, the cinematography was great. The you know the way they constructed the scenes and there was actually a bit of like action and whatnot um, was really cool. Uh, again, with this one though, like the the you're right. The ending was like really really neat and um, pretty exciting, but like it just kind of like it it didn't feel like a complete story or like what the character kind of ended up as at the end of his arc like felt really weird it felt like you know there was this really defined progression that he was going down and then at the last moment he took a hard right turn yeah away from like kind of where you thought the movie was gonna go um and like i felt like they had like some really cool avenues and really like they where i thought the movie was going like would have been a super super cool conclusion where did you think it was going so i thought like it towards the end of the movie you know throughout the course of the movie the, this this character is like calling the sex hotline and really using the the girl on the other end of the phone as like a therapist and like mm-hmm. getting her like advice on how to talk to girls and all that kind of thing and then like at the end of the movie he actually meets th- this girl from the sex line and she's helping him and trying to give him advice and whatnot. I really thought, like, he would ride off into the sunset with her and, like, you know, find this, like, happy household or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, instead, he, like, makes the decisions to go into child protective services, um, which is, like, you know, I it's a weird, like, choice for that character to go against, like, his... <clears throat> basically against his character of 95% of the movie and then like completely change on its head that and that's kind of what happened in landlock too honestly no like, for sure like the both characters make like a very quick decision that feels kind of rushed doesn't feel well founded yeah but i think like the problem with that is you kind of would have had to set up the the idea that he like hated his dad and hated his mom or like stepmom and didn't really want to be there and like, he really wanted, like, another parental figure. Well, I think he did. I mean, he definitely did have, hate, hate his stepmom. But he had a good he, relationship with his dad, it seemed like. Yeah, but it still seemed like it was distant. But it also felt like it wasn't really parental. Because, like, the dad's giving him beer at, like, 13. Yeah, exactly. And then it's that's mirrored with the sex line operator, Ava. Like, she's vaping in the, like, around him, and he keeps asking for it, and she's like, no, like, I, I told you no. Like, yeah, I'm not stop. letting you vape. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't think, you know, somewhat a good relationship with his father, clearly wasn't all that into, like, his little half-brother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I'm like, okay, I see where this movie's going, and, like, this is a pretty, like, either he's gonna wind up, like, going off with the, the lady, or, like, he's just gonna, like, be like the lost boys with his friends like hide out and whatnot um i you know did not expect it to end the way it did but other than like it having kind of an unexpected ending to the story like i thought the movie was produced very well okay uh so this would be solidly your number two for sure this would definitely be my number one okay now we get to get to the one that is solidly not even our third you could stack up every short that we watched, and we saw 17 of them, mm-hmm. and it would be... Dead last. It'd be 20th out of 
all 20 things that we put our eyeballs on, including the Christian short that we watched. Yeah, and this one was so bad that it legitimately can be said that this is probably the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. Yes, I I was comparing it in my head to Zoolander 2, which I dislike with every vein in my body and what we talked about afterwards is like we also could compare it to the roe v wade movie yes um and it somehow is still worse than that which like real quick uh not spoiler but like not what am i looking for i want to preface it this Mm -hmm. we are like what we do here is review movies if we go to a film festival that treats us very well and like is very nice to us and all that kind of stuff. We still have to sometimes give our honest opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not sometimes. We have to give our honest opinions about how we feel about certain movies. Right. About everything that we see. And, I, and we talked we talked about it after the movie, like because well no no no. Marina asked me last night, like, are you gonna review this movie? Are you gonna like give an honest review of this movie? You're just gonna talk about it. And I was like, no, like I we will review it. We will be critical of it. But we are going to be mindful of the fact that, like, we're not going to eviscerate this movie the same way we would eviscerate the House of Gucci, right? Yeah, like, that's. I will fair. lean hard into shit talking House of Gucci about how bad it is. Like, we're going to point out a few things that, like, were absurdly ridiculous in uh, this film, and and why it made it like a really really poor film, but. Like, we'll be respectful here. Yeah, We're not going to, like, tear it to shit. That's what I'm saying. Because, like, it's bad. It's really bad. But, like, at a certain point, we'll try not to go too far into it. Because right. it's just not fair. But we have to give our honest opinion some of the time. So Yeah, okay. So you want to, like, give us... Not some of the time, but all the time. Give us a synopsis of what this... So this movie is called Ten Killer. Um, I'm going to do my best to try to give a synopsis of this movie. Because, like, the plot of it makes quite literally no fucking sense whatsoever at all um what's the guy's i don't even remember i don't remember the character's name uh joel i keep thinking joel. leon e- elon uh, leon 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 is a machinist who has a younger brother and his mom is off doing mom things and she's never there she basically left their dad and she's dating this douchebag who also works at leon's work and Basically, he I like I don't even know the fucking like, I cannot explain the, the, what the overall plot what of the this movie story was. Yeah, I mean, basically, it was uh, Leon's the protagonist, Dalton's the antagonist. Dalton's the antagonist. Uh, Leon's mom wants to take his younger brother away and run off with Dalton, and Leon is somehow going to prevent that. There isn't a fucking cohesive story here. No. Like it's basically like these are the characters, these are the few things that happen, and they're you know the one I I said this like immediately after the film. I mean, I said it to you during the film. I was like, these are just moving images mashed yeah. together yeah. that have no real relationship to one another. Yeah, like. I mean, there are scenes in this movie that literally, I mean, normally there's at least some artistic, like, point you can point, like, just make an argument for. There are scenes in this movie that literally make no fucking sense. Yeah. Have no, like, 
rationale for being in the story or the plot they or whatever. Literally nothing to the overall plot or like anything within this movie. Right. So there's like which makes it really hard trying to be like, what is the plot of this fucking movie? Yeah. So there's like a two or three major major problems with this movie. First off, the script, the story, the dialogue is like just I don't know how someone can write this and then put together a storyboard and be like, yes, this is a cohesive story. The, the the story is basically non-existent. The dialogue is all three to four inter, inter actions, three or four sentences between characters. Every scene is like 60 to 180 seconds with the, these interactions between characters with very few lines. That then like hard cut to some other like establishing Random shot. shit, yeah. There's that problem, the dialogue problem. There's a story problem. Really, I mean, I think it was actually shot pretty well. The, no, there's some really cool. I like, mean, landscape. some background like the filmmakers who put this together run a you know uh, kind of photography and like commercial uh, production company. So they like make weddings and stuff. Yeah, so they do wedding photography. They make commercial like you know, low budget commercials for people, that kind of thing. Um, so, like, you know, they, they, could, they knew how to, like, shoot a scene. Or they knew how to, like, make something look cinematographically well. Um, but the story, the dialogue, horrible. The acting was, like, laughable. Which makes sense since, you know, like, half the cast or something was actually just the Family. director and the screenwriter's kids. Yeah. Right? Or, like family or family friends or shit like that um so the acting was very bad story bad dialogue bad uh just was a honestly a painful like movie going experience on this one like the dialogue the best example that i can give like off the top of my head of the dialogue is like the one scene where they have elon or leon talking to his dad at like their work and the entire movie, you're led to believe like that their dad is like this deadbeat who doesn't do jack shit and just sleeps all day. Yeah. And then you like slowly realize like more than three quarters of the way through the movie that like, oh, he works at night. He works overnight. And yeah, and he sleeps, sleeps during, during the, the day. day. So it's like, that's not explained at all until literally more than halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to see his dad like early in the morning, like before he gets off and he's talking about his mom and he says something about, like, mom misses you or something. Or, like, mom's going to leave with Dalton or whatever the fuck the other kid's name is. Yeah. And the dad, the only line this dad says, turns around, looks at his kid and goes, your mom loves you very much. Yeah. And then just goes inside. And walks like, away. Like, what I mean, the it, fuck? It was clear. Maybe it wasn't clear. But I think what they were trying to do was, like, make a distinction between Leon and his dad as Leon is, like, much more of a mature and responsible person in contrast against his father but it may have just been poor dialogue and like poor like kind of unenergetic acting on the whoever played the dad's character yeah, I have no idea um who fucking i had no idea no like it was truly painful watching this movie um and this is only the second movie i've ever seen where i've actively considered walking out of a theater yeah, I mean, 
I wanted to really bad. The only reason we didn't <clears throat> was because it was Dead Center Film Festival. It was Dead Center Film Festival, and we needed to, like... I felt a responsibility to, like, finish the film mm-hmm. to, like, have a full picture of talking about it. I wouldn't want to leave a film, like... I mean, we knew at least five minutes into this movie that it was going to be, like, by far the worst movie we saw over the weekend. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, you kind of have to stick it out and see exactly how bad are they going to take this. Which you, like, audibly let out a, oh, fucking come on, that's bullshit, when the main antagonist gets shot oh, and yeah. still survives. The main antagonist gets shot, like, point blank. In the chest. In the <laughs> chest from a fucking revolver. Like, and then somehow we're led to believe that, A, he gets up without the cop, the mom who just shot him, and two other people with fucking guns not shooting him again as he ran away. Yeah. And B... With the gun in his hand, if I remember correctly. The gun in his hand, and B, that he made it through, like, at least a half mile, if not longer, through the woods to another main road... As he's, like, bleeding out from a fucking chest wound. To make it to the memorial of the kid that he maybe killed a year ago. Yeah. so when he, That's never clearly made out. No. It was a year ago. Something is also <laughs> not fucking clearly explained. When he goes into that fucking house, he opens the bedroom door. Yeah! Is there a body there? I think there is. Whose right? body is it? Yeah. <laughs> Whose body is it? It's what? never explained. Is... Who, is there a dead body or is it like a dead animal? And yeah. who, whose animal is that? Or whose fucking body is that? How are they dead? Yeah. Like, why is he in their home? Why is he just sleeping on the couch with a rotting corpse of some kind? In the other room? Yes. That made fucking no I sense. I forgot about that. And then on top of all of that, he might have killed this person. And he's at the grave or the memorial for it. And the sister of this person walks up. And the guy's name's Bobby. And as she sees this guy literally die with his, like, cross in his arms, Mm -hmm. she just whispers, Bobby. And the guy dies. And it's like... the guy dies. Yeah, straight up when he popped out of the woods, like, holding his chest, I was like, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Anyways, let's wheel it back a little bit when we're going to get too harsh. Um, So, yeah, that was bad. We got really worked up after the movie. Oh, yeah. We were literally at the Out of Exile party, and I just... I just couldn't like let it go. Alex is like in disbelief. He was kind of like shell shocked. I couldn't believe <laughs> what, what, <happened. laughs> what I just watched. And we went on for like two hours after yeah. this fucking movie. What was the uh, oh 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 oh? I kept making reference to. Yeah, man, I gotta go to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene. Yeah, there's a scene Vance, where hey, hey, Leon, I, I, to, I got, I, I gotta, gotta go, go to work. work. Okay, man. <laughs> and Leon saying at least five times throughout this movie, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't Fuck wor- you. Don't worry, don't about, worry about, it. about it. Get off me. <laughs> Get off my nuts. All right. <laughs> don't worry about it. Man. Fuck you, Vance. Uh, Anyways. Yeah. That was that was a trip. Yeah, it was a trip. Okay. That was... Ten killer. That was day one. Yeah. Uh, day two. Shorts. Okie shorts. Okie fucking shorts. What was your... Are we just going to... You want to talk about both? <clears throat> like one and two together? Let's just talk about all of them. About what our favorites were. Yeah, yeah. Let's just talk. Let's get like... Again, it's kind of the same thing with like 10 Killer. There were ones in there that I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't really want to like... Yeah, yeah. Let's just like give each of our favorites. And then if there are any other ones you want to talk about, we can do that. Yeah, so I think my favorite was uh, Old Home, New House. um, Which is about the Outsider's House in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was your favorite? Uh... Maybe that one or the ghost one. 
ghost one. Oh, the the horror one yeah. where the grandpa's killing people. Yes, that was interesting. That was fascinating. To me. <laughs> yeah, I really like. I wasn't super into it to begin, and then like it kind of got started going towards the middle of it, and I was like, "Where the fuck is this going?" And then it like ended, and I was like, "Oh, at what? Oh point, shit! At what point did you realize he was killing people?" Um, very late in it. Really? Yes. As soon as they mentioned the maid, I, and like he said, "Oh, she doesn't come out anymore," I fucking knew he was. He was Is he okay? But here's here's what I didn't quite understand: Is he killing people, or are like the spirits killing people? And if it's the spirits killing people, did that start with when the grandmother died, and like the spirit came back, and then it was like so grandma's spirit was killing people? Yeah, and it's like, oh hey, like I'm lonely, like let's kill the fucking maid, and then like so how did the brother die? That's what I'm saying. Okay, so he, he picks up the wine glasses because, mm-hmm. like, the old man is putting out wine glasses and he's like, We have to wait till they finish their drinks. And he, like, puts them out. And then yeah, the, yeah. The, the son is like, This is fucking bullshit. Like, fuck you, old man. And goes and, like, pours the wine out. And then all of a sudden it's like, Smoke Monster dead. And. Wait. So the grandfather didn't, like, bludgeon him across the head? No, my understanding was it was some sort of, like, supernatural. Supernatural thing. thing. Whatever. A, even if grandma, like, smoke monster grandma is killing people. Yeah. Grandpa is definitely in on it because he 100%. fucking 100% saw smoke monster grandma kill Rosa the maid. Um, Which I think she did the exact same thing the grandson did. I think the, the grandfather was, probably putting, picked out, up the glasses. was yeah. putting out a glass and then, like, the maid was like, you stupid fuck, and then, like, threw it away. Well, yeah. Okay, so that was, a, then, that, that was a very interesting one. I like that one. You know what it gave me at the very end, kind of vibes. What's that? When they showed all the dead people at the uh, haunted house. Yes, haunted yeah. mansion. Um, I mm. thought that was really cool. So I really enjoyed that one. Um, old house, old house, new home about the outsiders' um, home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was um, can kind of show the power of fandom mm-hmm. and what it can be done for good. Um, and so I thought that was like a great story, and it bought, it got both of us to buy the book. But yeah, I thought that was just like a really powerful, like documentary. Um, I thought the one about the bull riding was also really interesting. Um, and my least favorite had to have been either the prom bandits or the Christian Amelia's prayer. Thing. Okay, um, those were both just like what the hell am I watching? So. Um, yeah. What was your favorite, Ryan? So my favorite was definitely One Night at the Laundromat. Yes. Okay. Ryan is smooshing my dog and he is swatting and swimming away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the One Night at the Laundromat. A former aspiring dancer with a permanently injured leg finds himself stuck between reality and fantasy one evening at the laundromat he works at. Mm-hmm. This one was like super cool because it clearly was like a dude who had rotten luck in life. He was in a car accident that, like, injured his leg, mm-hmm. so it took away, like, his one passion away from him, and now he's a lowly, like, laundromat operator, yeah. like, probably minimum wage employee, right? Mm-hmm. But he's, like, kind of, first off, he doesn't give a fuck. He like oh yeah none the the owner of the the laundromat keeps calling him and he's like hey he's like you need to do this like the, like you're doing this wrong blah 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 and he like halfway through the conversation was just hang up the phone on the dude right and then like he's you know kind of 
they're they're transitioning between these scenes or it's the laundromat and it's him like imagining dancing and this was like the first one and this is the last one of the Oki shorts part one but this is the first like short film or feature film in the entire weekend at dead center that i was like oh my god okay this is actually like making me have emotion like yeah gave me chills about like what was happening it's um, the the best shot one that we saw by far by far best yeah. acted as well yeah. i think the amazing actor um and like really can just concise easy to understand story mm-hmm. um so i loved that one that one was awesome especially it's really cool because <clears throat> the um the guy who played the dancer in the in the short film isn't even an actor he's a he's a choreographer 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 and studio dancer he's like could fucking dance and he's like like a really actually like not just any choreographer he's like actually a really really Mm well-known choreographer um so that's like super interesting that they got this guy that you know wasn't really an actor who like had an amazing performance even outside of the dancing yeah, he. Um, that was one of the ones. That's the one movie that made me actually like jump at one point. Like, there's a moment towards at the very end where there's kind of like a jump scare type thing, and it legitimately made me like jump out of my seat. And I thought that was it was really well shot and well acted, and the story was fascinating. And so I thought they did a really great job with that one. So I, I definitely would put that towards the top of my Oki shorts as well. But Ryan, are there any other thoughts that you had from Dead Center this past weekend? Um. I don't think so. I I'm super appreciative to everyone at Dead Center. Mm-hmm. They hooked us up with some really cool Wiener T-shirts. I'm uh, actually wearing my Wiener T-shirt right now. Yeah, I've got it. Got it on. Nice. My Wiener T-shirt. Yeah. As the uh, actually we're be- we're probably being like extremely disrespectful. Um, when we mean wieners, we mean hot dogs. Yeah, it is a hot dog, and there's actually like a hardworking artist that put that together mm-hmm. so i'm trying to find their name and if you want one of those shirts you can go buy them from the dead center film website i think it's deadcenterfilm.org you go to their shop mm-hmm. and you can buy one of those for the low low price of 25 dollars. they also have afterpay, which means that you can do it in installments that okay i'm just saying um we're in a tough economy right now ryan we are yeah okay gladriel thompson mm-hmm Timeless Tea. So Gladriel Thompson was the artist who put this together. It's one of the most badass. It's a wiener dressed up as a, I'm sorry, a hot dog dressed mm-hmm. up as the Statue of Liberty. Well, it's supposed to be from the, uh, there's a studio that has this as their logo. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, oh, and I didn't realize the thing he's standing on is supposed to be the outline of Oklahoma. It is. Oh, no Isn't that Columbia? Columbia Pictures? Yeah, Columbia Pictures. And then the background mm-hmm. is like, you know, the classic, just uh, like watercolor s- sunset you'll see you see in texas or oklahoma very beautiful no it's an amazing shirt and it's very soft and they have some other cool ones too that i i meant to get but they're actually sold out of it now which kind of pisses I wish me off i i can text crystal because they had a shitload off to the side there so i'd be surprised if they sold out of all of yeah them. i would 100 percent buy a couple so yeah um yeah no i had a great time thank you so much to everyone at dead center really love doing that can't wait for next year I'm excited for next year But as part of our Dead Center coverage, we have an interview with the director and lead actor of the movie called Landlocked, which we talked about. Hopefully it will be coming out soon. You can check out all their information for that movie at landlocked underscore movie on Instagram. So go give them a follow. They're great dudes. 
So here is Timothy Hall and Dustin Gooch. So we're here with the director, Timothy Hall of Landlocked and the star of the movie, Dustin Gooch. How are you guys doing? How's Dead Center been for you guys so far? Great. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fantastic festival. After, uh, like a year of dark festival run, um, we've had so few that have been normal setups. We get togethers and parties, so this has been uh, it's just straight up you know, like a regular festival, which has been refreshing and fun. And meeting other human beings and filmmakers has been delightful. Yeah, just meeting human beings after you know I've lived in New York through COVID, so it's yeah. just like socially can be difficult sometimes where I'm like, oh, I forgot how to talk in public. Yeah. I know it was forever ago, but it, it's, yeah, it's still yeah. a struggle. Two years of <laughs> nothing but non-humans. Yeah. <laughs> Doing everything over the laptop and over Zoom. And yeah, gifts. seriously, we've done a lot of uh, Q&As for different festivals over Zoom, and our co-star uh, plays the lead in it, uh, Delia. It's like the only time I've seen her since shooting the movie, because yeah. she hasn't been able to travel because of COVID and stuff like that, so... Yeah, it's crazy. So being able to like have this be in a theater and have people's reaction to it and being able to like get questions after it, what's that part yeah. of it been like where you filmed it during the pandemic and now being able to yeah. release it? Well, thankfully, we filmed it in 2019 um, before COVID, which, you know, was a lifetime ago and made that, you know, we didn't encounter the complications of filming during a pandemic. But uh, yeah, again, like we've, um, we've had so few screenings that have been you know, a regular setup with a Q&A afterwards. So it's, I mean, that's the best part is screening it and then hearing people's uh, reactions and people uh, people have been very kind here, very nice. And so that's, um, I mean, that's kind of why you do it. It's coming to a, a state. No booze, no walkouts, yeah, which is yeah, good. Yeah, so no far, thrown. Yeah. <laughs> but coming to a state I've never been to and where like literally no one knows who I am or our film is or anything. And um, having people show up and, and respond very kindly to our film has been, uh, very gratifying and yeah, a lot of fun. Have you had people walk out of the movie before? No, yeah. no, okay. no. Luckily, yeah. luckily. Yeah. I was gonna be like, damn, that'd be kind of an interesting thing. Be like, all right, yeah. dude. Like, okay, thanks. you don't like it, but uh, <laughs> run out after him. Like, what what notes do I need yeah. to have from this movie? Yeah. Um, when you guys kind of like conceived this movie, you talked about it a little bit after about you were brought up kind of like in a Christian household. Uh-huh. And this is a very difficult kind of subject to tackle. When you kind of came up with this idea, what kind of made you draw to that behind that Christian aspect? And when he brought this to you, what was kind of your first initial thought about this entire script? Also, to piggyback on that, like what, you know, your character, the main character, was very rooted still uh-huh. as a transgender character in the church. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, like not the straightforward right. character you expect in this kind exactly. of story. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like um, there are, you know, religious members of the LGBTQ community, and uh, I don't feel like I've seen that in film, and I've seen that in life, and that's something that... But there are there there, there are Christians and evangelicals who believe, somehow have the conception that pursuing and living out any kind of alternative lifestyle is in some way, shape, or form like a rejection of, you know... God or Christianity or something or another, and I I wanted to portray a character that had gone through something hard and tumultuous, and it had strengthened her relationship with God and her faith, and uh, and where Dustin's character is still dealing with the things that had been instilled in him in terms of you know very black and white legalistic thinking, and uh, and instilled in him by by his father, who now it's trying to reconcile you know how do I this stuff that was hardwired into me, and now this is the situation, and I'm 
trying to deal with it, but I'm also trying to deal with the things that you put in me in these sort of mm -hmm. very simplistic yeah. black and white ways of looking at things and and then with the complication of all their family history. But um, yeah, I think uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you don't have to look far at any, you know, denomination or sect of Christianity or the stuff that's come out recently about the Southern Baptist uh, Convention and the covers up of sexual abuses and whatnot. It's, um, it's, a, it's a complicated thing when people misrepresent and I think just live out, you know, the complete antithesis to, to you know, if you say you subscribe to the teachings and, you know, the example of Jesus Christ, it's like I feel like in my own life that means as a storyteller and as a follower of Christ that I, you know, I want to have empathy for my fellow man and every person is created in the image of God and is loved by God and I'm, you know, I'm here to hopefully to, to grow in being a more empathetic, compassionate human being and and uh, I, I just, I can't, still can't wrap my head around uh, just the... Uh, the way that certain people live in groups have just kind of gone hook, line, and sinker into very, um, very harsh, very uh, us versus them. Um, Exclusionary. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. where it's yeah. like none of that is, you know, emblematic of the of the life of Christ. And uh, and it's, it's very damaging. It's very, um, you know, Jesus didn't live a life of, telling people that they were the other and they were somehow less than and not worthy of his love and compassion. He did the exact opposite. So I feel like, um, uh, I don't know, in making this film, I didn't want to put more, I, I didn't want to make something angry, but I wanted to make something, you know, about healing and just this small first step of this parent-child relationship beginning again. And, and hopefully, you know, this small story of reconciliation, you know, in a very, you know, I think a very, you know, kind of high water, mark of tension and strife in American history and um, I don't know just my small way of trying to put something positive out there yeah, without being preachy yeah. I would say which is like one of the things that I liked about it when he like came to me is you know it's not like in your face um, oh yeah you don't agree with this you're a bigot right or like it uh, you know not like some other it's like you're very Christian and you believe in all those things but you like dislike a lot of Christian films because it's just like oh everything went wrong and I said a prayer and now it's fixed and you know? nonsense and so just, yeah because it's not how it happens like right. in real exactly. life if you're mirroring real life like that's never how it happens right it's no. never black and white in real yeah. life yeah how hard was your job in balancing or really walking the fine line of the counterbalance between um, your character really wanted to it, it seemed like wanted to accept and um kind of meet you know his his father or now mother mm -hmm. in the middle and accept her for who she is but also <laughs> this counterbalance of you don't want actually to forgive her for what had happened like how mm -hmm. hard was that to, to strike the balance and not kind of teeter-totter in any direction because I, I feel like there was, hard. <laughs> it was yeah right yeah yeah it was just like uh we, we had a lot of discussions about that because i was like uh, really on board with everything, but I was like really confused because like that's kind of your directorial process too. It's like we have endless conversations uh, at the beginning, so it's just like you get all this um, backstory for your character and the family and the world around it and stuff. But I struggled a lot at the beginning with uh, um, 
well, why, why the hell am I doing this? Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm setting this, you know, it knows my wife's idea or whatever, but I'm setting this whole thing in motion and I don't really want to be there. I was like kind of confused by that. And, and the question was like never really answered either in the film. Well, and I think yeah. it's, it's a matter of like his, he, he has a conscious objective to mm-hmm. bring to a close, find closure and resolution with both parent parental relationships. But I think there's a, um, a, a subconscious thing that it doesn't really hit him that till the very end, I think kind of at this gas station convenience store that, while outwardly I think he's looking to really close this door um, he's with the loss of one parent it makes it that much heavier if you will that that he does have a parent left and he does need a parent and uh, and he needs you know I mean how many times have we you know you hurt somebody you know because you're you're wanting them to reach out or you know just these behaviors that Maybe on the surface don't quite make sense, but it's, uh, I mean, it almost like, like you've said before, it's almost childlike, the, the way he deals with it. But yeah, I think it's this um, conscious... Is that it's conscious and subconscious sub- yeah. desires that are within conflict, <clears throat> so there's a lot of conflict, like he's saying, that where it's just, it's all under the surface and internal, mm-hmm. you know, like we're talking to each other, but not saying everything, and it's the, the inner struggle as opposed to like yelling at each other, right. which That's we do at the end. That's one of the things end. I love about the movie where, you know... It was a main theme that you should really kind of embrace the day to day because you never know when it's going to be over. Yeah. But that like directly conflicts against you know I don't know if I this is something I want with you know this parent now. Right. It was, right. It was a beautiful part of the movie. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, Dustin talked about you guys had a lot of conversations <laughs> about his character. What were the conversations like with Delia about her character and like what was going into that performance? Yeah, I think I mean it was. Uh, just starting from the ground up of, of getting her thoughts on the script and then just, uh, um, you know, which, I mean, thankfully she, she liked and connected to and, uh, and just really, like, yeah, just going through every scene and talking about, um, you know, making sure everything rang true. And I, I mean, there wasn't anything, I think, drastic that would change or anything that was, like, way off kilter to her. Um, but, uh but it was just, uh, like I said, you know, we didn't have all this time to rehearse or, or uh, I mean, a lot of our prep in the months leading up to it were phone conversations I had with Delia and then with the three of us and then the two of them talking and just sort of um, doing a lot of our homework beforehand and uh, just making sure that kind of we were ready to go uh, once she got there because we were a week into filming once she did arrive. So, um, and it's, you know, it's that thing too and you're making a very small independent film where you you know you i might have seen the location you know beforehand but now that everyone's in town sometimes i mean the actors are getting in there for the first time and sometimes my dp is getting in there for the first time so it's it's this chaotic trying to get everything situated and um uh, make sure every area is kind of adjusting and ready to go and then uh yeah so there's not really maybe that time to do heavy lifting on you know you're hopefully hopefully we've got uh a lot done or you know yeah, because she did. She did a lot of theater, uh, mainly theater. That's her first mm-hmm. feature film. Which is um, wild because that, that yeah. one scene where she's on the fo- sorry where she's yeah, on yeah. the phone in in the hotel room and talking to voicemail that was incredible. So, I thought it was great. Yeah, it's great watching. Her, you know, when I see it now, and we had like so many conversations, and I think it it actually mirrored theater in a lot of ways. Like 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 you have that period of table work where you just do a lot of stuff where you're actually not on your feet yet and not doing stuff and you're just figuring out the character and the objectives and um, 
all the problems and issues that they're going through. And so we were able to do all of that. And then there's like, okay, get on your feet and go day of. But the, you know, 95% of the work had been done before showing up, even though, you know, me and her never like read scenes together. We yeah. just talked about what we're going through. So we knew, I knew where she was going in a scene. She knew where I was going in a scene and yeah. he knew where both of us were trying to go and could just give little adjustments or blocking or whatnot, you know. One question I had that I had at the end of the Q and A that just didn't get a chance to ask. Like, was it a conscious uh, decision <laughs> to? Uh, I don't think I saw her really actually say sorry mm-hmm. or apologize. They, she said, "I'm sorry for how it happened." But I'm not like really. Mm-hmm. You get you get the sense that she is sorry for what happened, but she doesn't expressly say it, and she doesn't like make that connection with Nick to really close the close the book on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like it, it, it's such a massive thing in their lives that, a, it, you know, it, it's almost like trying to rebuild it, not by just a, you know, it's like something as simple as I'm sorry. I mean, it, it, just such a gaping hole that it's like, I think she's essentially from the moment they meet trying to almost kind of rebuild this, um, you know, this wall that's kind of crumbled and uh i i I mean i think in her way she's trying to do it through her her kindness and her i mean just her overall demeanor and i mean and she just over and over just makes herself open and vulnerable to him and and he completely shuts her out but she's um you know continually putting herself out there and i think um yeah, I mean, in, in essence, you know, as he mentions his wife, you know, my father is not a nice man and trying to, you know, figure out now that there's this nice lady that it's almost, she's too nice. It's almost suspicious. It's like, um, I think she's, uh, I mean, she's showing that she is a different person and, and not just different, but a, a more realized and a better person and a person, a safe person for him. I think she continually, continually lives that out and is almost her way of you know, apologizing or reintroducing herself or, you know. It's more like just by being authentic. Yes. Yeah. Trying yeah. to, like, show him. Yeah. yeah, she's not going to apologize for her existence, right? Like, like towards the end, she's like, uh, I'm sorry for how it happened, but it happened. She's like, she's not, like I'm not going to apologize that I'm living my truth and being who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not something that I should apologize mm-hmm. for, right? But I do apologize that you got caught in this mess, you know? Yeah. She even says that later, like, uh, or earlier in the movie, like uh, I regret a lot of things, you know, and probably and mistakes that I made, but I don't regret you, like the outcome of those mistakes in a way. Sorry. No, I, that, I thought that was a really interesting line where it's like, I regret getting married, but I don't regret having you. Like I don't regret having this relationship, even if it was for 13 years and now restarting that relationship. I thought that was like a really interesting line yeah. to include as well. Um, the scene where he kind of says, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly how it is. He's like, she's being nice, but I don't trust it. Yeah. There's also a line right after that where he's talking about his experiences in the church and how mm-hmm. there was a kid that they all knew was gay. And then when he came out to his parents, they like disowned him. Yeah. Did that come from something that you grew up and like oh, saw I mean, happen or just you know, you kind of hear about it? Well, just kind of a, uh, well, I think, I think uh, with her kindness, it is that thing of like, he feels like, she's just continually kind of selling her, you know, almost like pitching herself to him of like, I'm this nice person, you can trust me. And it's, again, he's trying to reconcile that with a, his memories of a father who is kind of bitter and angry and dealing with a lot of inner turmoil. Um, and then, uh, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Dustin and I can both speak to this of growing up in the South in the 90s and early 2000s of, um, I mean, it, it wasn't long ago, but it feels like a long ago in terms of you talking about before, like marriage equality and everything else. And it's like being a sensitive, I mean, it was a straight kid, but it's like being a, a sensitive kid in the arts or whatever. It's like, you know, it, you would get called gay. That was how you'd be put down. Yeah. And it, it was sort of like... Gay would be the nice way to call it. I mean, right. I grew up in the 90s, right? We're so like... You heard the word gay constantly because it meant any, like, even my older brother still does, and he's like, Oh, I shouldn't say it because it's like, that's gay. Well, it's so gay. Like, anything that's stupid or dumb, you're just like, right. use that word. Um, well, and, and, you know, and it's whether it's dealing with this or other things, it's like, I mean, growing up around certain mindsets and things, maybe before you get to the age where you start to question things and you realize, um, uh, I don't know, maybe how off some of the things especially like i said some of the, my issues with growing up in the southern baptist church and uh in, in the way that certain people were thought about or talked about or whatever it's like sometimes you know you, it, it comes to a certain age or time where you you know get old enough to to think like uh i don't know if i this doesn't quite you know sit with me it's i mean it's 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 um i i think him dealing with that shame of like and, and just still trying to figure out, like, you know, I don't believe these things anymore have this kind of black and white thinking, but I'm still struggling with this situation and my father now being a woman and, and trying to wrap my head around that. And uh, and the luxury of not having to think about it, too. You know, it's just like it's always somebody else's yeah. problem. You're like, oh, I'm not a I'm not a bigot or whatever. Right. But you also don't have to deal with it You've never presented that challenge yeah, yeah exactly really yeah deal with it it's never actually practically in your life yeah right it's always yeah somewhere elsewhere and you can have like negative thoughts maybe in turn like i think like a lot of people things are like oh i've never i've never beaten up somebody for their their race or gender identity or you know sexual orientation or whatever but you're like yeah but you also never spoke up when somebody made a joke or whatever yeah, you know what i mean being terrible in a social situation exactly yeah, yeah. When the, the kind of the culmination of the, of the movie is him putting his mother's ashes into the ocean, and that was a scene where you kind of start off kind of right there by the ocean, and then I didn't realize it was going to happen, but you walked kind of gradually into the ocean, and you're basically waist high. Uh-huh. What was kind of the the process of you know filming that for both of y'all? What yeah. kind of went into doing that scene? Because that is the culmination of this entire trip, right in that moment. Yeah, that's one of those things like you talked about. Uh, you know, when you wrote it, it was just like the the whole purpose of the whole trip was to close the door with uh, uh, Brianna, and then to you know get closure and move on to the next step. And so, like the dropping of the ashes when it first happens, it's like you're expecting this wave of uh, calm and like mm-hmm. not necessarily euphoria, but just like oh, I can move forward right. now. And it <clears throat> doesn't happen, and that's why. And he was like, "Yeah, go like walk into the water." It's like you trying to make this uh, elaborate thing mean something this yeah. like spiritual moment yeah. and I wasn't getting anything from it because mm-hmm. that wasn't actually what the character needed right yeah. right you know? what and as we were writing it Jonathan my co-writer put it great and he said you know I think anyone that does this and expects anything other than just a dirty hand is fooling themselves it's <laughs> like uh, you know it's not going to bring your parent back it's not you're not going to just suddenly have this transportation into this new chapter all of a sudden feel resolved or the grief of losing someone is gone you know it's it, again it's it's he's trying he's waiting for this 
catharsis to kind of wash over him and he you know goes to his knees first and it, it's sort of like he keeps chasing it and eventually you know just keeps chasing it into the ocean and uh you know and eventually the music just sort of kind of putters out the scene because it's like this moment it just falls flat for him and uh yeah and just dump yeah, the yeah, dump yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, well this ain't working unromantic yeah it's he's kind of uh dejected by the end of it yeah it's like trying to because i feel like characters are trying to do all these like external things to solve a problem when the issue is just internally yeah, making yeah. a decision. There's also a moment there where Rianne kind of, I think, had a realization of what exactly her son was going through, right? Mm-hmm. He saw, like, the brick wall he ran into and not having closure and really kind of realized, I think, in that moment, like, what was going on with this trip, yeah. right? Well, and he's dealing with uh, yeah. realizing that the dynamics of both of his parents are a lot more complicated than he even realized in terms of finding out what Brianna went through in her life and, and what that cost her and, and, and the way that he saw things in a very black and white version of the family history really was it's a lot more gray and then and then even feeling probably always like his mother was the one that was humiliated and abandoned by her husband in, in coming to see like her actions in a more complicated light so it's it's very um it's a tough time for the guy. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, we were shooting those scenes because I, I enjoyed those uh, scenes where we're just like talking about golf, you know, and, and it's yeah. like I'm like, what you like? You always played golf. Like, what are you talking about? So it's like me coming to an understanding of like, oh, you were, whoop, uh, you're popular. Uh, <laughs> it was actually Hensley me and oh. <laughs> yesterday. Oh, you. You need a better um, service. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Sorry. No, it's a little bit. Uh, um, just you know my memory not being accurate to reality you know it's like oh but you always love golf it's like always pretending the whole time that's such an interesting thing too because you always assume things about your parents and you like you don't ever really know your parents or another person and so then to find out that like this thing that they you assumed they liked doing it was no like that was a chore like that was a job to them it was not recreational plus it was like a really good explanation of you know He's seen his father turn into a woman, and it's just like this really sudden thing. But there's all these like details and micro things behind it. Like, yeah, I never looked at golf. Yeah. I didn't like, you know, like going to the beach or like, you know, really, I didn't even like being married to your mother. I didn't yeah. love her, but I didn't want to get married <laughs> to her. Um, it's it was really, I mean, that's a lot of what drove into the like kind of finale of the movie where he does finally accept and like go back to her, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it was like these little things that finally led up to yeah. the acceptance. Well, it's like we all get that age where you realize that your parents are actually human beings. And even when you were a kid, they weren't these fully formed, you know, all-knowing beings. But they were also human beings going through their stage of life for the first time, like we all are, and figuring it out. And, uh, yeah, and I think just recognizing that humanity in his own father. And essentially, I think the kind of rhyme of, of his relationship with his own son and then his relationship with his father and um, I think kind of being the thing that pulls him uh, through kind of the story and finally coming to a certain place. Yeah, that's one of the things like going through it too or it's like also part of the reason I'm such a jerk in the movie. Uh, it's like, oh, we're doing this whole thing from my mom and then it's also learning like, oh, she was like pretty much the catalyst for why this was a, a, such a problem and he wasn't a part of my life and it's like, learning that learning that oh she was the reason we separated and wasn't allowed to have contact but we're also supposed to be 
doing this thing, honoring her, honoring yeah. her right. so that has that conflict going too. It's yeah. definitely a two-way street that yeah. he had no idea was there. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you guys working on now? What are you going to be doing in the future? And what can, yeah. what can people find your social medias or yeah, find yeah, yeah. that movie from? Um, yeah, so uh, we're kind of towards the end of the festival run on this film, and then I'm uh, writing a movie, it's called Lost Mountain, that I'm hoping to start shooting at the end of this year, that uh, Dustin will also be in. Nice. But it's a it's a story that's, it's three stories of, essentially three short ones to make up a feature, but three stories of three different women, um, kind of one's 25, one's 50, one's 75, different ages, but all kind of dealing with uh, not connected, but dealing with loss. Connected might mean, but dealing with loss and uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of toxic marriages and children and family and whatnot. But uh, and then we're writing a movie about a baseball scout called Down the Line. Nice. So, uh, okay. Come film it here. Yeah. The street. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we we're talking about the Midwest, but uh, yeah. So just trying to get some. You know, get some things going, and we were trying to go to the theater, and he just kept taking photos of all the baseball stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you knew where the yeah. different stuff was on yeah, the yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe drive out here. To yeah, thankfully we got cars, so we've been able to sort of explore and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I drove up from. I mean, I live in Brooklyn now, but I'm originally okay. from Fort Worth, so I just okay. flew home oh. visited with my family. Yeah, we're from Dallas, so. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Where school. in Fort Worth are you? Uh, Keller. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We talked about this. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> My yeah, grandparents no. were from Oak Cliff. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever go out to Frisco to see baseball games at the Rough Rider Stadium? No, I. I'm not. He's the baseball guy. I would. I don't know. If you want like a good like. Baseball I go to the mall. Or something, or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually like right so, yeah. next to Stonebriar. No, check out Frisco. What affiliate? Yeah. They're their double A affiliate. Okay. So they ever like. This is a nice stadium. Yeah, and the Frisco one's been around since I think oh two thousand. When did when did Dr Pepper open? Two thousand two thousand one. And it like still that. looks nice. really really nice. Our podcast yeah. doubles at the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. for Frisco. Even though we yeah. live in Plano and Dallas, uh, but yeah, where can they find? I know it's twenty or not. That's twenty hundred. Holy crap! Landlocked underscore the movie on Instagram. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's the Instagram. Yeah, we're on Instagram and Facebook. There's a Twitter that I've not been good about updating, but. Uh, then Dustin's on Instagram personally. Um, yeah, I have like six followers. It's great. Two posts. Uh, you'll get you'll get three more in about five minutes <laughs> when we hop off on this. Then I'm um, on. What's, yeah, what's landlocked the underscore the movie is yes. what it is. Okay. Yeah. And what's yeah. your Instagram it's handle? A, the handle is just Dustin.Gooch. Perfect. All right. Well, yeah. Not we'll, very uh, <laughs> coming out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll be getting three followers here in a minute. Nice. Uh, so Sweet. We, we appreciate you guys taking yeah. the time. And we hope you. we hope you guys are coming back to Den Center next year. And yeah, yeah. Maybe in a couple of years with a baseball movie. We would, yeah. 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 That's great. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And that was Timothy Holland, Dustin Gooch. Thank you guys for coming on to the show. We had a great conversation. If you couldn't really understand the beginning of it, uh, there were other people in the room. We didn't really give a shit. Um, there were a lot of dogs running around and shit. Oh, I meant like of the interview. Um, oh, that yeah, too. There yeah, a lot of a lot of people. A lot of people in the interview room. Um, but that means that there was a lot going on, which is great for Dead Center Film Festival. So. Ryan, this has been another fun, crazy episode. Great episode. We'll be yeah. back next week to review Lightyear. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. And some same-sex kissing. And maybe some Jurassic World. Yeah, a little bit of Jurassic World. Maybe a little Barry. Yeah. We need to finish up Barry. That, has from, that is uh, ended. Ended. I think my finale. dog locked himself in my office again. Nice. Uh, so everybody, as always, if you want to check out more about Landlocked, at Landlocked underscore movie on Instagram, go follow them. They're great dudes. 
or you can go check us out on Instagram as well at furloughed film talks and Twitter <laughs> at furloughed film. As always, thank you guys for listening to these episodes. It means a lot to us. Go rate us on fucking Apple podcast. If you would, um, that helps us get to our goal of being reviewed or rotten tomatoes people. So Thank you guys for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we will talk with you next time. Adios, amigos. Hey.